Hello, my name is Lauren von Eckertsberg, and I'm a localization and peacebuilding policy specialist at the Global Network of Women Peacebuilders. Welcome back to GNWP Talks. Today we're going to be discussing the trip that some of our staff members took to Kenya. So I have Grace Felton and Lori Perkovich here with me today to talk about that trip. So, Lori and Grace, tell us a little bit about our partners on this trip and our partners in Kenya. What, what is the potential for these partners to create impactful and lasting change regarding UN Security Council Resolution 1325 and the Kenya National Action Plan? Hi, Lauren. Um, this is Grace. And our partners on the ground uh, for GNWP, Amani Communities Africa, Footprints for Change, PeaceNet Kenya, and Rural Women PeaceLink have been working for the past few years um, to advocate for the creation and the passage of a national action plan for the country of Kenya. And um, GNWP has been supporting them in this endeavor and advocating on their behalf. So they were successful in this, um, and the NAP, um, the National Action Plan, which we're actually calling the KNAP, since it's Kenya's National Action Plan, was launched uh, this past March 8th um, on International Women's Day. Um, so we are all thrilled about that, and to support that, and to make sure that there's actually localization and true implementation of the National Action Plan, we planned a series of three workshops with our partners in Kenya. The first workshop was in Nairobi, and that was on the National Action Plan itself, and where GNWP and some of its members introduced to government officials and civil society organizations the idea of localization. And that's when a local area or region focuses on how uh, UN Security Council Resolution 1325 can truly be implemented, customized for them. What does it mean for them to localize 1325 and to go through with the National Action Plan? Um, and so then after that, we did two other workshops just based on localization, one involving three counties in Isiolo and one in Bangoma involving three counties. Okay, great. And so now we are going to talk a little bit more about the NAP workshop itself. So, so can you maybe tell me, Lori, what was so significant about this NAP workshop and how does it tie into localization? Well, I think it was it was really significant because we were able to hold the workshop immediately after the NAP um, was adopted. So that was significant in itself. Um, we had representation from the Kenyan government there, as well as representatives from UN Women, um, who UN Women in Kenya has provided support for the NAP. So it was really important to get some of these um, people in there. We also had civil society representatives there, and they were really able to work through a lot of the important aspects of the KNAP and, and figure out 
what the next steps were. I think it was also important that we were doing the localization workshops at the same time, but we were having them in regions that were further apart, and a lot of our members and some other people that participated in the NAP were able to go to the other localization workshops. So it feels like it was very, it, it was a very good way of merging the things and, and it was good that they weren't separate and we were able to do it in one trip. Tell us a little bit more about, about what that means. So, so basically something that, you know, we often see is that our, our colleagues and our members on the ground work so hard to, to advocate and get these national action plans created, but something that often happens is there's little implementation on the ground. So, so tell, tell us a little bit more about how those localization-specific workshops are meant to, to really work with the documents at, at those local levels. Well, one thing that's focused on in the localization workshops is that um, every one of the workshops are trained in 1325 and the related resolutions like 1820. And there are a lot of breakout sessions where um, they discuss what it means to them and how they could implement this in their area. Our members also provided the information and training on the existing policies in Kenya. There's actually quite progressive policies that exist currently for women and girls in Kenya that many people um, are not aware of in Kenya on the ground. So they have existing tools that they can use. And since it was civil society organizations meeting with government officials, um, the intent is that then they're working together. This is a government policy that then civil society is assisting and the implementation. So. The end result was them uh, designing their own task forces and coming up with their own plans for implementation. And what was really unique, I felt, about these workshops is that each of the localization workshops involved three different counties, but within these counties, um, there were many different communities represented. Um, and so one uh, local government official described the fact that in the county, there were actually, there were not only different communities, but different cultures. And so a lot of the sessions, um, they were discussing what, what are these, having these different cultures with different practices, how does that lead to conflict and what are their existing conflicts? And then they're discussing amongst themselves how they can then put a plan into action um, and perhaps use an example of some of our other members uh, like in Uganda, coming up with a local action plan for their area. And as we, as we often see in these workshops, even within, within a country, each community kind of has its own really unique context of, of how they think is, is best to deal either with, with conflict or any of the issues that come up. Were, were there particular sessions that, that you saw during the workshops that really stood out to you? And, and in that same vein, were there things that you heard participants say or discussing that, that maybe you hadn't heard yet or, or really stood out in, in these different workshops and different sessions across, 
across the country? Well, one session that um, I thought was particularly interesting um, was the discussion that came out of the gender concept sessions um, that Lori led and I assisted with. All the members had some really interesting perspectives to, to give to that. We essentially were um, asking them to list their daily activities, um, what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, and then breaking that down into who does it, men or women or both, and do they do it equally or does one gender do it more than the other. And because we had this um, mix of different communities, it generated some really rich discussion on, well, who does, who who does these tasks more and why, and what can happen in the future. Um, for example, in some communities, certain types of farming or taking care of the animals is done only by men, and then in other communities, by women. And so it was interesting because then you can, they discussed how you can see that it's, it's really more of a gender role that's decided by the community. And they then discussed and sometimes argued amongst themselves on if this could change or how it could change or how difficult, what are the barriers that would stop that from changing. And so I felt like the discussion that came out of that was really significant. Another interesting session was the one on conflict analysis. And basically what this was is that they each grouped um, according to their county and they answered a series of questions amongst themselves, such as what are their current conflicts, like listing the different conflicts, and then what are the root causes, how does it impact the, the community, and specifically women and girls, what's working, what's not working. And I felt like that's really at the heart of this program and really where they were able to come out with a solid plan, um, a task force, um, committees that would advocate for this and bring on other organizations that are relevant and important actors in it. Um, so that uh, felt like it was, it really, we made a, a lot of progress there. Now, in, in the workshops that, that we hold, I think we are able to, because of the amazing work of our members on the ground, really gather a large audience and a lot of actors who are involved in the communities, um, I think at times were more successful and other times were less successful in, in the amount of media that we're able to, to bring on and to really join in the conversation. I think that, you know, sometimes we run the risk of kind of just talking amongst ourselves. Um, I know that this time you all were able to include Mildred Ngesa our, our Kenyan member who's really strong in media and has a media background. Can you maybe tell us a little bit more about how media was involved in the workshops that you did in Kenya? Sure. Um, so we really did make a concentrated effort on this trip. Um, I think, you know, it's important for us to try to bring the media on board every time, but because the the KNAP process in Kenya has gone on for roughly six years or so. Um, it was really significant to get people on board early on. So we really did a push for this. And um, Mildred's organization, Peace Pen, did participate. Um, we had um, her colleague, Dorothy, who actually traveled with us. And 
she was actually quite incredible at rounding up media. Um, there were times where we, where we had 10 to 15 representatives at workshops from different media outlets. So we had print, radio, TV, um, we had local, regional, and national, and they were quite interested. I mean, some of them stayed for good parts of the the actual workshops when, in fact, they were mostly coming to do some interviews, uh, and, and they were very interested. One of the interesting things that's come out of this that Grace doesn't even know yet is I received an email from one of the national media outlets a day ago um, in, in northern Kenya that that sent somebody to cover one of the two localization workshops and they said that they were very much interested in what we were doing and said that though though their journalists and the journalists in general in the region are very knowledgeable, they don't have the level of expertise um, that we offered at the workshops <clears throat> on some of the women, peace and security, and with the upcoming elections, they were very keen on getting some additional training for the regional journalists. Um, so I'm now working with our members on the ground to work with them to figure out whether it's through some sort of a town hall or just sending them materials um, to get them the information that they're interested in. Oh, that's great news. I think I think uh, I'll hand it over to Grace. She she has something to add here. I just wanted to add that we um, that's very exciting news. And we had one um, session at the NAP workshop that was devoted just to training on how um, our organizations, our member organizations, can use media for themselves more in the future. Because I think that that's something that we could all be better at. And that I felt like the participants were most excited about. Just many of them commented on it and how helpful that that, that was. Um, so I thought that that was particularly interesting. And also, I'd like to hear a little bit about the interviews that both of you were able to conduct during the workshops. Tell us, tell us a little bit about what you collected from those interviews and, and what you were able to hear from from participants that that really helps to to give us a, a richer and more meaningful knowledge about their experiences. Well, one thing that I was really impressed with and excited about is that there were so many different types of people that were participating. Um, so even amongst uh, civil society and the government organizations, um, there was people from all different backgrounds, uh, religions, um, and communities. One uh, Muslim leader that I spoke to um, has been working with other religious leaders, um, Christian and other, on it for interfaith peace building. And I spoke to him for quite a while as he was very passionate about um, advocating for the rights of women and girls. And when I asked him how he felt that his within his culture he could advocate for women and girls, he said that he really felt like within his culture he could not. But using the Quran, that that was the way that he could really convey the message. And he loved learning about 
the NAP, the National Action Plan, because he felt like he could use it along with the Quran, that they would fit really nicely together, and he could do advocacy work that way. He had also just recently started reading the Bible as well because he was trying to reach as many people as possible. And so he was working closely with the, with these other leaders. So I thought that was quite significant, and I was excited that he could use this in conjunction um, with the Quran. But I, we spoke to so many different people. Another participant um, was involved in the local peace building. He was a businessman, but involved with peace building. And he spoke a lot of the importance of change. Um, he has four daughters, and he brought up the fact that um, after participating in other workshops, that he learned a lot about women and girls' rights. And because of that, he had his two youngest daughters decided that they would not be circumcised. And he was advocating within his community, teaching others why he felt strongly about that. Um, so everybody had a different perspective. Um, I also spoke to uh, some local county government officials. One had come from civil society where she had started an organization to keep young single mothers in school because she was from Bangoma and she felt like they, there was too many young girls um, that got pregnant early and dropped out of school and she was just seeing the men in schools um, riding on their motorbikes and she was saying, where are all these girls their age? And um, so she started and ran a successful organization that supported a, a great number of young women. And then she decided to further her reach and go into um, government, which she's doing now. And so now she's pledged to use her knowledge of 1325 and the Kenyan National Action Plan in all her meetings going forward. Um, another government official that I met with was very committed to promoting the rights of women and girls. Um, she was a county official for gender. Um, and this was her first training in peace specifically in regards to women and girls. She said, it makes so much sense because they're so affected, but she had never been trained in this way before. And she actually committed to be a leader on one of the task forces. Lori, you told us a little bit about how recently the media organization reached out to you in terms of next steps for perhaps training or sharing of materials. Are there any other developments or do we know yet any other next steps that that will happen in the localization process in Kenya? I think right now they're just working together as, as a group. Um, the members that we have, um, when, when, the, when they were working on advocacy um, with GNWP for the, the adoption of the KNAP, our members created Kenya 1325 Localization Advocacy Group. There are also other other local members that are a part of that. And so through that, they're now basically, based on interest in these task forces that Grace was talking about, they're working on how to best sort of get out the word. Uh, I think right now there's a, a funding phase going on, trying to raise funds along with raising awareness um, to potentially hold more localization workshops in different areas, but also 
to acquire funding to make the KNAP more available because though it's been launched, there are still many people that are not aware that it's been officially adopted or what's in it. So I think that's sort of one of the main pressing issues right now is is to make that w more widely known. And, and, and just next phases, you know, um, talking about awareness about local action plans, but that's really a, a, a second phase in localization. All right. Well, that will be the end of this of this podcast for today. Um, we want to thank all of you for for joining us and for listening to the summary of our workshop here. We also would like to thank our members on the ground, Amani um, Communities Africa, PeaceNet, Rural Women PeaceLink, and their members and partners, as well as the Austrian Development Corporation who provided us funding for, for the work in Kenya that we carried out. Thank you so much, and we hope that you all will tune in next time.